Okay, welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you have joined myself, Joe, Matt, and Lauren, as together we young adults restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's mixed up and crazy world. So, um, have you guys seen any good movies lately? I think I have, but you would disagree. What, what movie did you see that I can publicly disagree with? Spider-Man No Way Home. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> that was not my favorite movie. But pretty much everyone likes movies. You guys watch movies? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love movies. Like how often? Like is it like once a month? Like I used to watch them way more than I do now. Really? Yeah, I wasted time in college a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. Now I watch a lot of sports though. Okay. So the movies have taken a dip. All right. I would mostly watch with my family here and there, maybe on a Friday night or Saturday. Um, but uh, for Christmas, my little brother got a top 100 movies watch list, the highest rated IMDb crowd favorites. Mm. So that's been a fun list to examine. And I actually brought the list if you guys want to look at it and see some of the movies on it. Not going to lie, um, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm I haven't interested. seen this before. Um, so we started watching like a movie each night, actually. From the list. I need to take this home because uh, my parents watch Hallmark movies. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I just came back from visiting them. And um, yeah. <laughs> if my family were here, they'd be saying something like, uh, oh, Hallmark isn't as good as it was. What? Yeah, that's what they'd be saying. I think it's actually improved because they actually like put a plot in there. Really? Yeah. I think that they would probably say something like that because they've really... Uh, They've, they've begun to include some very liberal themes. What? We'll leave it there. The Hallmark movie? <laughs> I'm shook. <laughs> I'm like legit shook. Yeah, well, they're woke, so. <laughs> Wait, your family or Hallmark? No, Hallmark. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> no, my family doesn't know what that word means. No, they don't. Which is good. <laughs> my dad's like, I woke up this morning. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, what's your top three? Top three movies. All time. Is that tough to decide? I mean, my absolute favorite movie of all time is A Few Good Men, um, the movie from which the line, you can't handle the truth, comes. Oh, is that right? About that's a half dozen other um, memorable lines. Um, uh-huh. That's my favorite what's movie. That, what's that about? I've actually never seen it. Yeah, so it's about um, basically these two Marines in Guantanamo Bay do what's called a code red, which basically enlisted men disappointing their own by beating them up, basically. They accidentally oh. kill this guy. Oh. But then they're ordered to do, spoiler alert, in case you didn't see it from when it came out like 50 years ago, um, <laughs> uh, they're ordered to do it by their... Commanding officer, his name is Colonel Jessup, who's stars on the rise. And so the the Navy assigns this like son of a former attorney, a former attorney general, but kind of just a lawyer known for taking the easy way out and settling lawyer, played by Tom Cruise, who ends up realizing that there's a lot more to the story. And he ends up, it, it, again, spoiler, he ends up getting them off for murder because he proves that he breaks the guy in the stand. This is the whole line where so you can't handle the truth. He breaks the colonel in the stand, gets him to admit to ordering this against the law. But they get convicted for um, conduct on becoming of a Marine. And it ends with basically the lesson being um, it's possible to do what you're ordered to do and actually still not be in the right. That you're actually called to exercise one's own judgment. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's just really good. But also just like, they're, they're, I won't repeat them, but there are lines that you just couldn't put into a movie today. Um, so it's just sort of amusing for that in a sort of nostalgia bit because it's sort of off color in some very funny ways. Uh, oh. There's also just <laughs> some, some tremendous lines. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's my all time favorite movie. I, I could I could watch it. I could watch it 10 times. Okay. If, if, uh, wow. Uh-oh. I don't know that I, I couldn't come up with a, with a runner up, I don't think, though, honestly. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, I'm not sure. There, I'm looking at the list that Lauren just passed out, and there are quite a few movies on here that I have uh, seen, and quite a few that I haven't. Um, but in the you know 
interest of staying on a an approved top 100 movies list. <laughs> I really like uh, I really like Inception. That's number 13 on this list. I recently, it's funny that I said that I watched less, uh, I've been watching less movies because I recently have watched the extended versions of The Lord of the Rings. Oh gosh. So in terms of watching, you know, less movie, that's, yeah, a huge (laughs) lie. It's 12 hours. It's only three movies. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Yeah. Uh, So I really, I really love those movies. I really love those movies. Uh, And then I think if I went off list, which, which is, we're we're obviously, you know, able to do, uh, there's a movie called Without a Paddle. (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a stupid movie is what it is it's really dumb uh and it's about these three friends that go and search for oh my goodness what's his name uh it's uh db cooper's treasure you know who db cooper is no idea it, it's like it's like i think it's a legend i don't even know I, I mean it's a story and i'm i don't know what actually happened but it's like this legend that he robbed a bank and you know dropped out of a plane in the middle of a snowstorm and got lost in a snowstorm and you know they go and find his treasure so this is kind and of it's, like re- a, it's really dumb kind of like a buddy comedy yeah type deal, it's like really dumb dumb and dumber but not but not as not as dumb as dumb and dumber oh, okay because that's a whole a, different standard. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole new level. But but definitely just not like, you know, you don't walk out and you're like, that was a well-made film. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. And I, I was entertained for two hours. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Lauren? I thought back to my childhood, which would definitely be Independence Day. Mm. Anytime that was on, I feel like my cousins and I were watching it. Mm. And then Remember the Titans, okay. another yeah, great movie. Great, great, great movie. story. Again, there's like a family connection because we would always watch it together. Um, I don't really feel like I've come into a favorite movie as an adult. Um, I care less and less, I think, about <laughs> what's coming out or, you know, let's go see this. Um, but I love to watch the Shrek series, Shrek 2, 3, <laughs> or 4. All right. Put those on, you know, or like not Ratatouille. Yeah, just like. Disney, uh, yeah, not never watched Shrek one. My family didn't have that one. Just okay, two, three, right. and four. So switch between those, <laughs> like on long car rides. Yeah, are you saying you still no, haven't seen, seen it? it. Yeah. It's yeah. just yeah. not. Yeah. But the sequels are never two, three, as good. No, they are. Shrek two. Shrek two is great. Shrek two is the best. Apply yeah. to animated movies about ogres, though. It's the rule about <laughs> well, sequels. <laughs> apply to that. That's fair. The first that's is fair. good, but yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. And then like I loved Hercules as a kid. The animated one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's probably solid. actually my favorite. Right. As opposed yeah. to the one starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, nah. um, no. <laughs> no. Well, I, used to, I used to watch the TV show Hercules. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kevin Sorbo. Yeah. yeah. It was a good show. Yeah. Okay. It was a great show. No, for me, my top three. Okay. This is, you know, maybe it's because I'm a priest, but number one is Passion of the Christ. Okay. I've actually never seen it. Yeah, nor what? I yeah. saw it. Wait, whoa. Time out. We're yeah. doing something different this Lent. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to have a movie night. Yeah, that's fine. Father I, Joseph I really want to watch it. encouraged me to watch it, I would say, from being on this show and hear you talk about it. Like, oh, that was the first time you'd seen it? I, yeah, I saw it like this past Easter because I hadn't seen it. And what'd you think? What did I think? I mean, it's tough to watch. I don't like how like the devil or the demon is portrayed there. And I didn't like all the shots of Mary kind of looking in anguish and stuff. I, mm. I didn't like that. Um, Spoiler alert, he dies. Yeah. In the end. <laughs> just, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> Sorry. But it's worth a watch, but rise? it's hard to watch. What's you know? that? Do they show him rise? About to say that's they the do show him rise, actually. Okay, that's yeah, yeah, he no, comes that's back. He comes, unless you see the alternate ending one. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I was like, <laughs> stays dead. No. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
So what are your two and three, Father? Two and three. Number two is uh, For Greater Glory, which is, uh, I actually watched that with Joe. Do you remember yeah. watching yep, that yep, 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 in, yep, in his, yep. his living room? It was, uh, it's about, it was a while ago. It's about St. Saint, uh, Saint Jose Sanchez del Rio and the, the Mexican Cristeros Martyrs. Really powerful story. So it's the only, um, other than the Passion, the only one I ever cried in theaters for, mm. which was very embarrassing because I was with a bunch of parishioners Aww, and I didn't want to so show sweet. that. No, I didn't want to show it to them. So I was like, excuse me, guys, I got to go to the bathroom. You know, I just like left and just, you know, cried. Right. But the other one, actually, the third one is on here, which is uh, on your, your list, which is um, Life is Beautiful. Life if you ever get a chance to see it. I haven't seen it. I've heard of it. I think I might have seen it. Yeah, it's about a father and a son in, in uh, Auschwitz, I believe. And the father tries to protect the son and, yeah. and make it all a game so that the son's not traumatized. It's an Italian it. movie, isn't it? It's an it? Italian movie, yeah. foreign film. Yeah, but yeah. really, wow. Yeah, great movie. Great movie. I saw that in grade school. Oh, wow. It's kind well, of a okay, heavy maybe, topic for- I say grade school, middle school. Oh, it's yeah. still kind of a heavy topic. But, yeah, yeah, it definitely but is. But studying the Holocaust. But I, I, get, I remembered it, though, you know, so- obviously had its effect. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So I mean, why do you, why do we enjoy these movies and stories so much? I mean, it seems like, I mean, Jesus always told stories. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it about stories that makes us remember them and like just be drawn in versus like, if you just read a dry and dusty book, like, I mean, a book that's not a story. Right. <laughs> I wonder if part of it is just that when you tell a story, especially if it's fictionalized or if it's you're take, taking license with a real story, you can kind of simplify some of the details and sort of tease out the lesson a little bit easier, right? Because you can kind of like, you know, you can, you can make characters less dimensional if you need to and kind of focus our attention. Whereas in real life, sometimes it's so complicated to pick out, you know, what's right, what's wrong, or maybe sometimes people are, are complicated, right? And there's not, you know, people aren't just good or bad, but in stories, you have a lot more control over, the, over it. So you can kind of direct people's attention in the right direction, right? Mm. I wonder if stories just make us wonder what our role is in it. Uh, the the first thought that popped in my head when you when you you know posed that question was uh, Bishop Barron has made a statement before. I believe it's him. I don't want to misquote him, but I, I believe it's him that the reason Lewis, C.S. Lewis, and Tolkien and uh, these characters are such good evangelizers is because they're better storytellers. Hmm. So in that context, you know, why do we love stories? Well, it's because we put ourselves in the shoes of the character, you know, and then the re- to, to connect it to the evangelization, they are great writers. And mm-hmm. so we walk into these characters and they are, you know, Christian by nature. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I know that's like not exactly what you asked, but that's what I thought of. No, but that's an interesting thought. I think uh, it's almost like we're created for it and to enjoy it, right? Because if you look at children, they're constantly imagining something right some kind of fantasy world right you know you can give a child a cardboard box and they'll create some world that they're playing in with that right like it's just part of who we are it's natural so we like to be entertained and captivated and I think we're drawn to a sense of wonder on you know someone overcoming some challenge or going on a quest or falling in love right like we just enjoy these stories yeah we're like romantic we're by nature yeah 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 I remember when I was in seminary I, I started to read the Quran. Mm. And uh, it got about an eighth of the way through it, and it was so boring because it didn't have any stories. Mm. You know, unlike the Bible, which is chock right. full of stories, but it was yeah. just a bunch of maxims and proverbs and things. And I know there are a few like stories, but really, it's just kind of dry. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that the texts differed in uh, genre. Yeah, kind of. 
So back to Lauren's point, there's something something that um, I was kind of over this past week. I was I was having dinner with a family and actually was talking with one of the uh, students from from Cardinal Kung, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the story, and he was telling me how much he loved Spider Man. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, <laughs> meh, you know, and, and I said, the reason why I didn't like it is because it was basically the same plot as like every other superhero movie about, you know, right. trying to take over the universe. But he's, he's, even though he's in seventh grade, he was like, yeah, the hero's journey. It's the mm-hmm. same, same plot for every movie ever in history. Right. I was like, wow, that's really insightful. I mean, do you think that's true that there's just like one basic story? Cause you, you brought up, you fall in love, you go on a quest, you know, this and that. And there are these themes. I mean. I don't want to say no because people believe in the hero's journey, you know, or like, or the hero's quest, whatever it was. There's like evidence behind that. I don't want to. I don't want to disagree with no, but potential you, evidence. It sounds like you disagree with it. Oh, why? It sounds an un, it sounds like an unreasonable claim. Surely, surely, the story of falling in love and the story of uh, to to put the spectrum right. If one side is falling in love and it's this big romantic thing, and then the other one is you know you lose a family member. Like and it's told in story format. Those two things differ tremendously. Mm. You know, it strikes me as kind of unfalsifiable and sort of like um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of like saying well, there's only one life you can live because everybody like is born, grows up, and dies. Like, okay, sure. Have you said anything <laughs> by saying that? I mean, no, really, right? right? It's like every story has a story arc and characters who are heroes, I guess. But I mean, I don't, it seems overly reductionist to me to say that they're all the same. But I also right. did like. 45 seconds of research on this when you sent it to us. So I'm not going to 45 seconds. Wow, authority. that's more than me. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't it took a lot out of me, to be coming. honest. There are, there are <laughs> clear formulas, though, right, of, you know, some character oftentimes has some struggle in the beginning, right? Something's going wrong. Then they're faced with some kind of a quest or journey, something to accomplish or overcome. Something goes wrong, right? Or else there's no point in watching the movie. There's some kind of tribulation. Then they grow through this process and things tend to work out well in the end, right? Yeah. They're transformed. It's a good ending. And we like that. We are drawn to that. We um, want to get to know who the characters are. We like like them and uh, want to see that growth and development, right? And it's like it's almost kind of like what we are, right? Growing in virtue, trying to become better people. You know, it's something we can model. Right. But it's not, that's kind of my point. Isn't it just basically that movies mirror reality? Right? Is that kind mm-hmm. of what you're saying? Because like nobody's story ends with the with the with the challenge to overcome, right? The sort of natural flow. Like, you wouldn't watch a movie where it was, that was 90 minutes of bliss and then 10 minutes of tr- of uh, controversy and then it ended, right? Like it mirrors the, <laughs> the, the sort of rhythms of life, right? So it's like, uh-huh. to me, that's sort of like, it describes it or it explains it better, right? It's like people tell stories about human life because humans tell stories about human life. Well, yes, but it, almost every story ends on a happy ending, right? There's not too many stories that end with just, total disaster and that's the end you walk away right right but there are i mean in human life if one is not does not become a saint yeah if one is condemned for eternity you've, you've, yeah. it ends pretty disastrously yeah, disaster for sure i don't know i was just i was thinking of something c.s lewis said and i'm going to totally butcher it I, I don't know the quote or anything but he was talking about how um you know a lot of people say well christianity is just one myth among many, because there's lots of myths of people rising from the dead and everything. And C.S. Lewis says, yeah, the reason why Christianity resembles all these other myths is because all these other myths bear witness to the truth that there has to be something out there that actually is a true story. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know? And so I think that, I personally, I think that you know, all these movies are kind of, in a sense, variations on a theme. And you know, maybe the theme is human life. But ultimately, we want a happy ending because we know, we want to know that God wins in the end. There is a victory. Mm-hmm. You know, that Christ has conquered death and he rises from the dead. Right. Why does the superhero win at the end? Because because victory is possible. 
it could be that far-fetched. Yeah. It could be, you know, that much of a shadow of the truth. And it always looks really dark, just like it did on Good Friday. Right. You know? I wonder then if the if behind the sentiment people have, which is the hero has to win at the end, is the sort of Christian assumption that well the hero did win at the end, like like our victory has already been won, right? So right. Then, like it, it then naturally follows in every movie, every story. Eventually, things work out for the best because we already think we won the we already know we've won the war, right? Maybe that maybe that's, maybe that, that's like everybody's point, right? But right. It's like you know, the Christian hope that that we've already won. I wouldn't say it's a knowledge thing though. I think it's this is how God created us to be. It's something innate that is in us, and we know. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's natural law that we know that good conquers evil, but mm. something close to that? Yeah. No, well, That's my sense. And it sets us apart from just sheer, you know, mere creature, you know? Like, the, that, that level of rationality. And so this innate rationality, I think. You could kind of combine it where you say it's innate. And from, you know, I pointed to my left, Lauren, because that's where she is. <laughs> and then to my right, Joe, because, you know, this, this idea of the rationality. But, but it's, it could be a mixture of the two, you know? That's a really interesting insight. Wow. Never thought about that. So let's, let's get to, uh, uh, Catholic movies. Have you ever like watched Catholic movies? I know I mentioned a couple, but you know, you've seen like saint movies or any. Does the movie silence count? Oof. That's, that's a good one, but it was rough watching. It is rough. I watched like two thirds of it and like almost lost my faith on Netflix. Like, never, never mind the martyrs. <laughs> yeah. The thing they went through. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great, have you ever seen it, father? I know that I know the story, but, uh, it's, go ahead and re- recap the story. Well, it's worth I, telling. I, man, I, I can't recap it. Well, uh, the, the premise is, uh, I don't even know the date, but it's, it's 1500s. Two, yeah. 1500s. Two Jesuits go to Japan, which is not a Christian country, uh, where the, the Christians in Japan are are essentially in hiding, uh, and there is a a great lack of priests in Japan, um, and they are searching for their their teacher, their mentor, who they have heard has apostatized, um, and so they they're really it's really they're they're going to help the people and to find their mentor, and confirm that he hasn't. Uh, and then I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to ruin it for you. <laughs> but there's a bunch of death because the question really yeah. is like, you know, if, yeah, there's a if ton you stay of... faithful and a thousand people die, is that a good virtual right. thing, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and it, it all comes down to essentially that these these people, and and I think it's close to history. You know, they realized the way to crack the priests was not to torture the priests, but to torture the parishioners. Yeah. You know, the Christians that were that that were in their charge. Um, and so it's this really, you know, dramatic but but tremendously important story. I think um, but, that you know what I mean. That like y- yeah. you see, because it's not something I've ever thought of. You know. You know. One. You, sorry, God. No, but by all means, so one one thing that movie does really well, I think, is it shows you. Like one of the things they ask the Christians to do is just a step on like a metal plate with Jesus' image on it. Mm-hmm. They don't even tell them you have to renounce Christ. They, all they basically say is step on this plate. It doesn't have to mean anything. And I think at one point one of the priests says to them, like, just do it. It doesn't, it doesn't have to mean anything. And like they juxtapose the seeming sort of like, I don't know, the smallness of that offense on that surface with just the immense pain these people were going through. Because it's like it's easy to say like, oh, well, you know, if I was told, you know, renounce Christ, worship the devil, I would say no. It's like, okay, would you not step on this plate of Jesus's face to save your mother from being tortured? I mean, right? Because it's easy to mm-hmm. sort of like make this mm-hmm. like very sort of black and white, but they really heighten the heighten the contradictions, yeah. make it really stark. It was really, really difficult to watch, but yeah, I mean, sure. Also, also, I'm sure historically accurate, you know? 
one of the things that uh, I do think is worth mentioning, and I'll try and make it vague so it doesn't give anything away in case you, you, know, you want to watch it. There, in the big climax, one of the characters steps on this plate, and in the background, I didn't hear it when I watched the movie, but I believe it's because it's based off a novel in the book. The author specifies that a, uh, a cock crows. Oh, really? And so when I watched it the first time, I basically was like, is, is Scorsese trying to say that this is okay? You know, because I didn't even know it was based off a novel. Hmm. So I was like, oh, it's this, you know, Catholic filmmaker, I guess. I think he was in seminary for a while. But like, <laughs> he's Italian. He must be. Yeah, yeah. Must be Catholic. <laughs> but I was like, that's really interesting that that is how this ends. This is not what I was expecting. And then I found out that in the, in the novel, it's like, it's like, what great writing, you know, to recall Peter's denial. Mm. You know, I was like, wow, that's awesome. So I, I intend to rewatch this film. It's but. interesting. I just recently finished uh, a book that has kind of a similar idea. It's called The Power and the Glory. I don't know if you read it by Graham Greene from the 1950s, a very famous book uh, about the Mexican persecutions and about the priest, a priest who is watching people get killed on his behalf. Mm. And uh, it's kind of that same question that he's wrestling with. Like, you know, do I turn myself in and, and deprive people of the sacraments or mm. what do right. I do? Have you thought about, uh, uh, has that, you know, brought these thoughts to you it has what, what would i do it has i mean certainly i think i think i, I would I, I would pray for the grace not to deny christ under any circumstances because mm. as great as this life is you know to preserve my life or someone else's life for another 25 50 years is not worth trading eternity for no but now i say that you know sitting in a very comfortable chair right now right right <laughs> right with a knife to my throat it might feel differently but mm. Has it just another good one that I think takes it from a different angle? I don't know if you've seen the movie, um, The Mission. Yes. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know. If, I mean, it's kind of an old movie too. I don't think it spoils too much to say that basically the premise is that these missionaries establish um, this this uh, mission among these Native uh, Americans. They're like, I think Central America. Mm-hmm. And for a while, they enjoy the favor of the church. And then the church basically sells them out to believe the Portuguese. And so... Can I say the ending? I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't yeah, it yeah. So it, it ends with the Portuguese army moving in on this on the settlement of, of po- very pious Christians, one of whom has been ordained a priest. And you see these two priests who had signed up for this mission, one of whom has taken up arms and is trying to defend the mission mm. um, from the Portuguese. And the other is leading um, adoration. So the last scene is you see cannonballs and you see this priest fighting. And then you see the other priest um, giving benediction. And it's just this really, and you see the, all the incense and the blessing of the people. And, and it was really powerful. Like it showed two different, I think, perspectives and how a sort of shepherd defends his flock. Um, and also just the obvious imagery of a battle and Christ at the center and the monstrance, right? Um, and it was a really beautiful ending, but I mean, that's tough to watch. And one of the scenes, the uh, soldiers force a um, Native American priest to take off his um, clerics because they're obviously not recognizing his priesthood, you know? Mm. Um, but and it, it martyred him at the hands of the church, right? So, I mean, um, interesting, different sort of perspectives on the whole question. Yeah, that is interesting. I'm sure there's got to be good films... And, and good could be could be a, a difficult descriptor here for the Crusades because because I could see where a like a, a well-styled film would also just like totally misrepresent the Crusades mm. but that surely there must be good Catholic films about the Crusades I don't know I've never seen any I, well I, I haven't either but but you would think right I mean it's like if not let's eat. let's make <laughs> let's make one or find you know, find a director to... you and me father Gill <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I've got a camera. <laughs> what about you, Lauren? You seen any? I haven't seen films? anything um, newer, I guess, or current. You know, just some of the old classics, Ten Commandments. 
Yeah. That's a great one. <laughs> great one. Yeah. Absolutely. Ten Commandments. Prince of Egypt. Oh, Prince of Egypt. Also good. Also Jesus good. of Nazareth. Yes. Yeah, we used to watch that. Six, six, it's a six-hour. Wow. Entire, the entire thing. It goes on and on and on. Yeah. It does go on and on. And then some things. Bernadette. Yeah. Um, I've seen something on St. Ignatius. Hard to watch when he's scourging himself mm. in the cave and he really battles himself. There's like one scene. Um, but it's interesting to see that, those kinds of struggles that the saints have. Yeah. Hmm. So just a few. Now, have you ever, have you seen like any Christian movies that you're like, wow, this is really awful? Yeah. I watched God's Not Dead in high school. Oh, that was, that was exactly the one that comes yeah. to my mind. <laughs> yeah. So. One of the worst movies. Did you watch the second one? Yes. Yeah, it was Isn't there like first even worse? Why is it bad? I, I don't know this. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember anything about it. Maybe that's the most reason. like cartoonish take on the Christian life, I think. Yeah, there's a philosophy professor in college that makes the guy write, yeah. God's not dead on a piece of paper. And he's like, no, I can't do this. And God so is this, dead. No, God, or is, God is dead. And, he's, yeah. and so he starts, like, they start having this debate, you know, this atheist professor. And yeah. And they, the, the climax of the movie is when the professor gets hit by a car. Accepts and, Christ. And accepts Christ as he's dying. Oh. And you're like, this is so In hokey. front of the Staples Center, I think. Yeah, something In like Los that. Angeles or something. Yeah, so, so... I don't know why I know that. <laughs> I don't know why you know that. I, I don't even remember where that was, but... <laughs> but no, you don't necessarily have to have a Christian movie in order to find the image of Christ in yeah. some of these movies. So where have you seen, like, the, the Christ figure? I mean, I know a lot of people talk about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And, but in Lord of the Rings, is it Gandalf? Is it Frodo? Is it... I think, I think the technical answer is that it's, like, the different aspects of Christ are found in different characters. Hmm. Uh... I both wish that I had a better answer for this and, and know that I don't. I, cause I, I like, I really like the Lord of the Rings, but I don't know any of the, the theology of the Lord of the Rings, if that makes any sense. Mm. You know, air quotes were said with those words. <laughs> um, but like Frodo represents, uh, the self-sacrifice and Gandalf is like the priest, you know, Jesus Christ in his, his priestly office and, uh, I think that uh, some Bishop Barron say that Aragorn is the king. king yeah, he's, Christ, the, right? he's the kingship, and oh, so priest, prophet, king here. Yeah, oh, yeah, so, never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. That's there's, good. I mean, it's it's deep in there because Tolkien is super Catholic. Absolutely, super. I mean, because his uh, letters to his son were recently released, uh, mm. and he's got like whole. I don't want to say treaties because that's not you know it's not that it's a letter, right? But it's a letter <laughs> about like the Eucharist and and how. Every, every, I think one of the quotes is like every good thing you're searching for in your relationship of, of romance and drama and action, it's all in the monstrance. It's all in the blessed sacrament. Mm. So he was like, you know, he was hardcore for, you know, to say the very least. Yeah. <laughs> which That's is awesome. great. That's awesome. Which is great that that is like the monumental, you know, fantasy series. Mm-hmm. Of the last, whatever, 75 years. Well, some have said, I've, I've actually only seen the first movie of this series, but some have said The Matrix has, you know, Neo is a Christ figure. It's super Buddhist, I think. Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah. It's all about, that was all like, the first one, maybe it's Kantian, where it's like, we don't know reality, and we, you know, what is the truth, and how can you access it, and mm. yeah. Well, he's the chosen one, right? He's like foretold. They all know. Right. Yeah. I guess that's true. It's very. It's. It, I. I was thinking like the worldview as opposed to. Oh, that's true. Him as a messiah that's figure. True. I was thinking like that in in the Matrix, nothing is real. Yeah. And oh, that is you know that's, that's like Buddhism pretty on the nose. <laughs> my brother in high school wrote a wrote a paper about how uh, Star Wars was 
it was a Christian film. Really? Talking about how the force is like the Holy Spirit. And mm. Joe's shaking his head. Yeah, I've never, I've never <laughs> seen. Yeah, I mean, in Star Wars, the force is both light and dark, and the Holy Spirit can be both good and bad. So it's like on the face of it, that's not true. Mm. Right. Oh, fair. That's yeah. fair. I love Star Wars, but I'm not going to pretend that it like maps on Christian morality because I like it. It doesn't. I mean, in fact, I, th- I mean, it was it was really. I mean, it was conceived originally as some sort of a rejection of Western culture in some ways. Um, really? Well, like, um, there's all sorts of things about how this is not really relevant, but like, um, the Empire fighting the Ewoks in Episode Five is like uh, the American GIs fighting the Viet Cong, right? So it's like all this, all this stuff like that. Oh, is it really? Yeah. So, well, I, mean, that's so I can see an environmentalist people imagine, in that uh, too, right? Theme in there, you know. It's- the natives are killing the natives, and there's like an almost like a almost like a uh, like a sort of weird deism or pantheism, right? Where it's like the, the force is everywhere and it runs through all things and it controls everything. It's like, yeah, all right, that's right. I mean, this, you know, sounds almost like um, I don't know, like um, can I can I pose something? Throw it out there, man. What about Harry Potter? <sighs> it's such a it's like a it's like controversial. Yeah. Do you like Harry Potter? Um, I can only say this. I saw, I saw the first movie and read the first two books, okay. and after doing so, I found it very, very difficult to pray. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was like the heavy oppression on wow. my spirit when I tried to pray after that for okay. for like months. Wow. Okay. Okay. But that's that's all I can. Well, because I've I've the the common objection I've heard is like it's magic, and I'm like, yeah, but so is Narnia. You know what I mean? So is Lord of the Rings. So is Lord of the Rings. You know, I, I have found that that argument insufficient. Right. I've heard then then how like the magic is represented differently and that you can make an argument there, you know, but there's evil magic in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know, and, and the witch in, in Narnia, you know, she's got like this evil magic. Uh, I think that you can make an argument there is in the same way, right? In the Matrix, you know, Neo's the chosen one, Harry Potter's the chosen one. But the one thing, the one thing about Harry Potter that drove me crazy is that they always did evil and good resulted from it. Mm-hmm. And somehow that was okay. Really? Like well, almost, I, yeah, I've, I've, every episode, it was like, I'm going to break this rule, right. do the, you know, and do this bad thing. Right. So from the moral theology perspective. Right. Yeah. The <laughs> end, the end justified the means. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just an interesting, like hot button issue, I think. Yeah. What, what do you guys think on Harry Potter? I don't have strong, I have no strong feelings about Harry Potter itself. I only have strong feelings about people who will sort of just dismissively say, Catholics can't watch Harry Potter because it's satanic. Because I just find that to be so exhausting. Mm. Um, not that, that that's not what you're saying, but just like I don't know. To me, it's a story, and I think if you, I, I think I heard um, Matt Frad interview somebody, and they were talking about this question, and the response was, "Well, if your kids don't understand that it's made up, they think that this is possible, and if they imitate these rituals, they can do something. That's a problem. But if they understand that it's a story like anything else, then I don't think we should like I don't know be sort of hyper paternalistic and I don't know that's just my take though but I, I could be wrong I mean I'm sure I'm a heretic but uh, <laughs> what do I maybe know? but not on this particular uh, issue, not so. this question maybe <laughs> all I'm saying is Voldemort is a snake I mean, you know what I mean interesting that's point true. yeah the basilisk the, like the, the evil <laughs> you know? yeah yeah so you do have that, that you know you could theme I, and it's yeah yeah but maybe that's too surface level I don't know I just think it's an interesting conversation what do you think. I read them growing up, and I enjoyed them. I've seen all the movies. Um, what strikes me now is how people are so captivated by Harry Potter still. Like, they've grown up, and they're crazy obsessed with it. Mm. So I don't know what that means. Mm. If, like, people are, I don't know. I want to say that's, like, become an idol to them. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's so like obsessive. Right. But, and a lot of people don't have faith anymore. So maybe there's something that is going on there, that there's an influence yeah. that people are pulled to, and they don't have real truth in God, faith, Jesus, you know? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. That's just... Something... 
an alternate world is more exciting, maybe. I think right. some people were just proud they read a whole book. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> oh, some, of them, some like, of them were rather long. Or a whole series. Right. Some pages, people were just like, really happy with that accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. that's 700 why, pages? That is way too long. That's why I never read Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Thank you very much. I'm with you. I read them and I really enjoyed them growing up. Did you? Yeah. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, and this kind of goes to our last point, which we have to hurry up because I know we're super over time, but sorry. But uh, I, I'll be honest, like movies impact me incredibly deeply. Some people can watch like The Exorcist and be totally fine. Like I would be deeply disturbed spiritually for, for like months because of some movies I watch. I have to be very, very careful just yeah. knowing that that's because perhaps because um, the way in which God ministers to me is through beauty, mm. through the arts. Like I know that I got to like, ooh. Be careful about that. So, so when a Catholic is watching a movie, how much like sexuality slash violence slash evil is okay? You know, can, should Catholics watch some of these R-rated movies that are really filthy? And I've had people say yes. Some people say no. No, no way. I'm all right. This is something I feel very strongly about. If there is, I, I don't want to say like excessive, because for me, like I won't watch something that has nudity in it. Nudity in it. No, I but, just won't. But Braveheart, one of the best movies I've ever seen. There's like full. Front, I've, ne- I've never seen it. Full frontal nudity. Sorry. What about the there Statue of David? Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I get, I think that I would differentiate. I would differentiate between a statue and, you know, and and for a woman, you know what I mean. It would. I don't think yeah. it would bother me if it was a man. You know. Well, yeah. But but it might for somebody else. I think if 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 somebody has struggles in that area, then it's it's an obvious now. That's true. So you do have to know yourself, I yeah. guess. And I think we need to be cautious. Um, the culture is just saying, let's show it all to little children. Very graphic scenes, right? And yeah. um, we are very vulnerable to what we see, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, a child growing up, they should never be exposed to certain things. They would never know it. Um, there's a loss of innocence now. This is harmful to children and to people. But if I could play devil's advocate for a second, when I look at your top 100 movies list that you just handed out, mm-hmm. most of these are have some pretty bad stuff. Schindler's List? Yeah. That was bloody. Well, man. But Schindler's, I mean, I think, the, isn't the question, is it violence or nudity or demonic things for its own sake or for the story? I mean, you can't tell Schindler's List in any real way without seeing the evil of humanity okay but if it's just like that's fair nudity for sake of just basically being pornography with something of a plot right. i mean that's well, you know i think we have to use use judgment don't For forrest gump there was some nudity in that one is there that's number two. Oh yeah there was. Movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> come on it's a great movie though it was like the same, exactly <laughs> and it was a great movie <laughs> right well but but is that that doesn't excuse it you know what i mean right it, you could have been a great movie without you, it yeah you can't hide porn behind a plot but is but is <laughs> that's a gun porn line. line plot? No, I mean, I think put that on a sticker. No, it's a we, <laughs> we know though that we're supposed to live a life of chastity, right? So even if you're married or whatever, and you're watching these scenes with other people that are not you, I imagine that affects you, right, sure. in some kind Absolutely. of way that you should not be affected. So Absolutely. and again, like the culture is just saying, this is all fine. Put it all out there. It's on you know cable TV. Kids can find this so easily on their phones, and this is damaging. Yeah. Absolutely. You no, know, there's no yeah. way around it. I, I I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But I do think there's a way in which it can be done tastefully. Yeah. Like yeah. Like uh, Mel Gibson does a lot of violence yeah. tastefully. Yeah. You know, The Passion of the Christ was extremely violent. Right. But I think I don't think it was. Gory. Right, but you don't want to you don't want to hide the the violence. In, right. In that story, I mean. Right. Heck, it's one of the whole. You know what it's I mean? The whole point of that story yeah. really is to show the violence on Christ. I also think there's a risk. Uh, this is kind of what God's Not Dead is, right? There's a risk of just like making 
Christian art so like childproof that it just loses all meaning. Like I once heard somebody cleverly say that the but most Christian movies, the plot of them is, um, you know, my bunny ran away, but Jesus brought it back. You know, it's like, it's like everything's always fine the whole time and ends fine. So that's not real life. Like there is violence in real life. There is evil. There are evil things in real life. There is like yeah. actual violence in real life. And it shouldn't be gratuitous. It shouldn't be for its own sake. But in service of an actual plot or story or lesson, I mean, I think we do ourselves and the faithful to service, right? When we pretend that reality is is like perfectly like polished up when it just simply isn't. Yeah. You know? I agree. And, and that's what I love about um, Psycho on this list, you know, it, um, Hitchcock was able to convey something without showing something. Mm. You know, it's one of the most terrifying movies and it doesn't actually show much blood. Right. You know, so there's a way to do it, I guess. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of Restless. We got, uh, we definitely got some restless, some thoughts on this one. So you can uh, find us on 1350 AM, Veritas Catholic Network, and you can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. So tune in next time, not to the movies, but to this, to this podcast. God bless. Bye.